Hi, and welcome to FAC, a podcast for people who know what it's like to work hard all week and want nothing more than an honest drink, Friday after Cube. This is Adam. And this is Asher, and we want to remind you, please drink responsibly and recycle your cans and bottles. Hey Asher, how's it going? I'm doing good. How about you, Adam? Not too bad, but perfect uh, day after work, after the cube, I'm ready for a cocktail. Oh, that's same here, actually. It's such a nice day out there, too. It definitely is. Thinking about cocktails... You know what we haven't done for a while? What's that? Have another episode for our spirit series. You know what? It has been a while. Um, I think we should get back on that. I think we should too. In case you missed either of our first couple spirit series episodes, this is a show where we get away from selecting two specific cocktails and diving deep into their history and importance in the cocktail world and instead focus on a particular spirit. Typically something a little lesser known or at least not used heavily in popular drinks. And on these episodes, we talk about the history of the spirit, um, cocktails which you make with the spirit, and that sort of thing. So, Yeah, so I'm excited to hop back into this. And this week, we've selected a spirit from an area that I would say is not particularly known for their spirits. South America? South America. Yeah, I don't know that many, actually, um, because rum is... Caribbean. Tequila is Mexican. Yeah, I really only know of a couple spirits from South America, and luckily today we're going to focus on one of them. Yes, spirit that we chose today is Pisco. Indeed it is. Now, have you ever had Pisco before? I've only had Pisco Sours. Okay, that is my experience as well, just having Pisco Sours, which... It's a really good drink. drink. I feel like most people, that's their first introduction to Pisco. I would totally agree. So where did you first have a Pisco Sour? So uh, that was back in college, actually, at Iowa State. There's this bar there called Cafe Boudelier. They make really good Pisco Sours. First time I had it. Heck yes, they do. (laughs) And that is also the first place that I had it. (laughs) I also had Pisco Sours pretty uh, recently, too. I was in Miami last week, went to a Peruvian place, and... Obviously, if you want... Pisco was on the menu? It was on there. You have to have, like, a Pisco sour when you eat ceviche, so... Wow. Okay, good rule. Let's dig a little bit deeper into what Pisco is. So what is Pisco? I guess that's a big question. I think that is the big question. Technically speaking, Pisco is just like a grappa or a brandy in that it's a wine that is then distilled. So, distilled grape juice. (laughs) Pisco is typically a colorless or maybe with a light yellow to amber color, and it is produced in the winemaking regions of Peru and Chile. Mm -hmm. There has been pretty big debate about who created it first, Peruvians or Chileans? That is a huge debate, and both countries claim to be the creator, and talking about the Pisco Sour earlier... Both com- countries claim that as their national drink. Wow, okay. So in order to not alienate our Peruvian and Chilean listeners, I think we should just avoid who started this liquor. I agree. You are not going to get one of us to say one of these countries is the definitive creator of Pisco. We'll say both countries make really good Pisco. They do, and they are different. 
Before we jump into the differences between Chilean and Peruvian Pisco, let's talk a little bit about where it comes from just in a broad sense. Basically, it seems to have originated in uh, the 16th century when Spanish conquistadors were exploring South America. They grew tired of importing Spanish brandy because of the cost and the time and their remote locations. Mm -hmm. And from that... Plus shipping it over, it won't be as fresh. Right. So, So from that necessity, I suppose you would say, uh, Pisco came to be by distilling local grapes. And like we talked about earlier, that region of South America, it's known for winemaking, so... It is. What wines have you had from there? Anything in particular? Um, let's see. I've had Malbecs before. Yeah, the typically an Argentinian wine. I couldn't tell you which who makes it, and... Um, but it wasn't bad. But I'm not a wine connoisseur, so I don't know much about. Well, I don't have any like wine. right off the top of my head either. But I do like Malbecs, and that is kind of in the region. So mm-hmm. I guess when the conquistadors got tired of drinking Malbec, they decided let's distill this and hopped into the Pisco game. Yeah, and a couple years later, still popular. <laughs> well, four hundred years later, yeah, it's a couple. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're right. It's a blink of an eye in the grand scheme of the universe. Mm-hmm. So, back to the Pisco. Back, back to the Pisco. <laughs> I mentioned earlier that there are some differences between Chilean and Peruvian Pisco. And that has to do with the law as much as just kind of a style thing. In Peru, Pisco is distilled from any of one of eight local varietals, including red wine grapes. Quebranta, Negra Criola, and Molar, and white varietals, including Italia, Torrentel, and Moscatel. Those are different types of grapes. Those are each different varietals of grapes. And then there are two others that didn't feature as prominently in mass production. Interesting, because I just thought red grapes, white grapes, that's it. But I guess you can get more specific with it. You certainly can. Mm -hmm. Let's not jump into the wine game. No, it sounds pretty tough. <laughs> it gets crazy fast. Mm-hmm. Pisco in Peru is only allowed to be distilled once in a pot still. It is then rested in an inert container, stainless steel, glass, something like that, and then bottled. Wait, just one time, really? One distillation. You're not allowed to dilute before bottling either. So there are no adjuncts, additives... No real aging in Peruvian Pisco. Interesting. That's a yeah, an interesting concept. I it guess. is. It's different. Chile is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Their producers have a bit more freedom, if you will, with their product. They can distill multiple times, age or dilute their Pisco as they see fit. And some of those are not just aged in like glass or stainless steel, but even in oak barrels. So you get a little bit more of what people would think of when you think of like a standard brandy. It's a little darker and you get some light wood flavor. But in general, that is kept to like a minimal aging so that you don't get this like heavy oaken flavor. So it's... Learn something new today. Another thing that differentiates is the Chileans only really focus on three grape varietals as opposed to eight. 
Wow, only three. Only three. And it it was a mix of the Italia, the Quebranta, and I think the Moscatel. But I didn't write that note down, so we'll hope it's those three. It's kind of weird how Chilean is much more relaxed, I guess. Yeah, they're a little more free to do what they want. A beer analogy would be, uh, think Germany and Belgium. With the German purity laws for beer, you can only have four ingredients. Mm -hmm. Water, barley, hops, and yeast. And that's it. That is all that can go into your beer. Belgium gets crazy. (laughs) They... They put fruit in their beer. They put bacteria in their beer to make it sour. They, you know, they mix all sorts of different things into their beer. They age it differently. Belgium has some funky and amazing beer. And Germany has some very simple, as far as process, and yet delicious, excellently made beer, too. So you can get excellent product with these two very different styles of creation and pisco is kind of the same way i can with that analogy it makes more sense i'd say well let's hope so it does hopefully everybody else understands what i'm going <laughs> for so it's just that pisco is such a, a foreign spirit that uh, right it's, so it's it's good to compare it to something that's a little more familiar familiar exactly <laughs> so a few more little tidbits about pisco before we get on to trying some which i'm really looking forward yeah, to. yeah i've never had it straight so I, I haven't either i'm kind of curious but let's hear the tidbits first okay pisco can be made uh as a single varietal which is known as puro pisco or you can have a blend of two or more varietals which is called accolado and then there's a third style of pisco called Masto Verde. Masto Verde? Yes. What does that mean? This one is pretty interesting, and I think I would like to try it if I can get my hands on some. Uh, So to create the Masto Verde, the grape must, which is grape juice in winemaking terms, Mm -hmm. isn't allowed to fully ferment before distillation, and thus some of the sweetness from the grape juice carries through due to the leftover sugars that weren't fermented and ends in your final distilled product. I'm not sure how I would like that. I can understand the sweetness. I've had like sweeter liquors before, Mm -hmm. and I'm just not a fan of it. I think it would be interesting and probably pretty good, but we'd have to find some to to find out. Yeah, that being said, I would try it out. Oh, uh, for sure. I can't see myself liking it based on what I've been hearing the sweeter part of it yeah i would imagine it's not too sweet kind of a subtle sweetness but mm-hmm. we'd have to try it and find yes, out we need to find one now that we know all about how long pisco has been around kind of why it exists uh different styles and even the rules for making it how much of this stuff is really produced i'm kind of curious you said peru and chile are the two largest producers mm-hmm we found that in 2013, so data may be a couple years old, Chile by itself produced over 100 million liters. Wow. While Peru produced over 7 million liters. That's quite the disparity. And that is a large disparity. And I wonder if it's just that 
some of the freedoms and liberties that are allowed to be taken in Chile provide more opportunity and maybe excitement or interest in producing pisco. That could be too. Plus, isn't Chile a much more wealthier country than Peru? I don't know. I haven't looked at their GDP recently. That's the impression I got. Okay. Well, Santiago is like a um, a well-developed city. That could be. Well, I would, that's the only thing I know. So. I actually would really like to visit both of these countries mm-hmm. um, to drink the pisco, obviously, obviously, and the wine, and the wine, maybe and ceviche, ceviche. Mon- <laughs> and see Machu Picchu, mm-hmm. and the Chilean soccer team is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's get back to the pisco because right now we actually have some just poured straight that we're going to sample on its own and get a feel for how this may differ from your typical brandy or just see what it's like in general. I've not had it straight. You've not had it straight. So what are we getting ourselves into? Well, I want to mention like what kind of Pisco we bought. It's a Chilean version. It is a uh, Moscatel grapes or? Yeah. Okay. And it's double distilled, which is, I guess, uncharacteristic of Peruvian Pisco. Yes. Not even allowed in Peru. So so. we've got a stronger distillate, perhaps. Mm. You know, I don't smell anything. There's not much of a scent. I mean, I thought like a hint of grape would be um, uh, would come through, but it's maybe a hint, but that's stretch. It's, yeah, it's subtle if it's yeah. there. My nose is not that developed. Maybe if we swirl a little. Nope, still not really getting yeah. anything. I mean, if you. If you put this next to vodka, it smells the same, looks the same. It does. It does. Mm-hmm. But it probably tastes different. All right, let's give this a whirl. Cheers. Cheers. Or salute, probably. Salute. I mean, it has flavor. It's not like a, a vodka that's flavorless. Definite warming sensation it when does. you swallow. I mean, but... One thing I want to point out—I can't out, pick something. I can't yeah. specifically pick out a flavor here. No. One thing I want to point out is that the pisco we're trying out is warm, mm-hmm. and it it works actually sipping on it warm. Oh, it's yeah. it, You could sip it, yeah. no doubt. But like, I couldn't do that with vodka. Like, do straight just sip on vodka. No, I. Don't. Plus, I feel like that has to be chilled. Like this stuff, you can serve it warm, and it's completely fine. I would agree. Yeah. Vodka is just. Mm. Not my favorite. Yeah, it's just the similarities <laughs> between this and vodka are just so... Yeah, pretty striking, but yeah. I, I like this better if you're just going to sip on it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's pretty good. I okay. I wish I could, like, come up with some specific flavor that's coming to mind. I'm, it's just so... Knowing that it's made from grapes, you know, you kind of want to be like, oh, it kind of tastes like grapes, yeah. but I, I can't put my thumb on saying that this is specifically... This is made from grapey like white grapes, so I mean that's a lighter grape in general. Yep, I'm and guessing like a redder grape, it might be more more pronounced as opposed to flavor wise. Yeah, uh, in my reading, I've I found that the red grape varietals that they use in Peru tend to be kind of like non aromatic, while the white varietals provide some aromatic qualities for the pisco and the wine that they really make. isn't okay because yeah. i always got the um i always thought it was the other way red you 
Well, I typically think of red as being kind of a more full, robust, heavier kind of flavor in wine, mm -hmm. whereas light's usually crisp and light. Not to say that there aren't, you know, there's examples and exceptions to to the rule, but in general, yeah. Uh, Apparently, these white varietals, at least on the nose, have have more impact than the red that are used in Peru. Okay. That's really interesting. Anyway, I could sip on this. It's good. Yeah. One thing I want to do maybe later on is just like uh, have this and compare it to like uh, a French brandy or something like that. To, Absolutely. It would be a good uh, comparison yeah. to set this side by side with like a grappa and a brandy and really explore the differences mm-hmm. between what is on paper, perhaps, very similar spirits. Mm-hmm. So one thing I noticed that... Um, Chile and Peru, they're they're up really high in the mountains, the countries. Mm-hmm. The Andes runs through it, so I'm guessing that probably has some effect on the grapes being grown there. But then we're going, we're deep, we're uh, really getting into this pretty deep. So we are. Yeah. But on that note, the terroir, or basically like land, location, climate, all wrapped into one French word that doesn't have a direct translation to to English. English um, really does have a great effect on what your grapes will taste like. I mean, mm-hmm. you can grow the same grapes in different regions and have them taste very differently. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me that, you know, even if you had the same varietals distilled the same amount, the same way, in two locations, that you would have differences in flavors because you definitely notice some difference in flavor if they were just made into like straight wines, so mm-hmm. I guess this is like higher proof liquor. Yeah, you cut you out might, some of that flavor, some of, but uh, it's just we would have to do more comparison with like yeah, as you say, grappa and uh, brandy in order to really flesh it out. Really flesh it out. All right, enough of this wonderful and insightful discussion about pisco and how it's made and where it's from. What on earth are you going to do with it once you commit to buying a bottle? Yeah, not just sipping. I, you probably want to know some cocktails to make it. I would love to know some cocktails. And to be honest, I want to know more than just the Pisco Sour. Because I've had it, and it's delicious. It's a very and good cocktail. People yes. should drink it, no mm-hmm. doubt. But there's so there's got to be more to it, there's right? There's more cocktails. I guess um, the cocktail I've chosen today is the Piscola. The Piscola. Piscola. What do you know about the Piscola? This is a popular yet simple drink made in Chile. And they do call it their national drink. From... Okay, that that you, is you different than drinks. what I read, but hell yeah, you can. Yeah. Why so, not? Why not? So, I mean, it's a very simple drink. I couldn't find much on the history of it, even though they call it their, uh, their national drink, apparently. But um, as I said, simple. All you need is uh, Pisco. Check. Uh, a lime wedge. Got that too. And a soft drink. A soft drink? Yes. I, you don't like soda. I don't know, but. It was a general rule anyway. I don't drink soda, but. Um, uh, so the Piscola comes in two varieties the white or the black. You can probably tell white is with a, um, a lighter soda, such as ginger ale, tonic water, Sprite, okay. while the black is made with cola. So. <laughs> As the name would suggest. It's pretty straightforward. Since I don't like soda, I'm going to go with tonic water. 
hey, sounds good to me. Let's give it a whirl. All right. So first we need to do is fill up our highball glasses. All right. Which we have. Check. Yep. With ice all the way to the top. Ice to the top. Mm. All right. Mm. Okay. Ice to the top. Next we want to take our Pisco. Okay. For the ratio of Pisco to soda is... Um, you can mess around with it, but for ours, we want to do a one-to-one -one ratio. Okay, so we've got how much? Uh, so we have an ounce of Pisco right now. Okay. Pour it in. All right. And? Grab the lime wedge. Lime wedge. Then Check. Tap. There's yours. Yeah. Give it a little squeeze and then stick it in there. In the glass, not on the, not on the rim? Not on the rim. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then we shall pour in our tonic water. And you said this was a one-to-one -one ratio? One-to-one so -one another ratio. ounce of tonic water. Yeah. There are, like, um, you can do one to three. One Pisco to yes. three cola? Yes, or tonic water. Okay. The last thing we want to do is give it a little stir. Okay. It's pretty hard in the... Um, this I've... is a difficult drink, Asher. Why would you think that we should do this? <laughs> you know me, I like to be difficult. Uh, maybe a little sarcasm there. This one was pretty simple. I know. I fear that mine is not going to be so simple. But anyway. Let's try it out. Let's try it out. Right. Salud. Cheers. Or salud. I'm assuming. It's Spanish-speaking country. Oh, that's good. That's really good. It's very smooth. Uh, basically, what we're drinking right now is a gin and tonic with Pisco instead of gin. Mm-hmm. The big difference there is that the, like in gin, when you have those really flavorful, it's aromatic, the, the, uh, the botanicals yes. in the gin, most notably, typically, being like a juniper. I mean, that kind of stars the show. Um, this, the tonic is kind of evened out, I think, by the pisco. I mean, mm -hmm. it's not quite as harsh as you might think if you were just drinking straight tonic water. Um, the lime adds a nice little hint of citrus, uh, and I mean, really, this is very, very drinkable. Mm -hmm. and, and you, it's a smooth drink, but you still get the warming sensation coming down. I agree with that. Yeah, it's a weird concept because like I never, the warming sensation is usually for me. It usually comes with like a harshness, and, mm -hmm. but I this agree. one, it's it's different. smooth. It's it's nice, mm -hmm. and I. Did you know that this is probably, like, the most Peruvian drink of all time? This one? This one. Why would you say that? Well, because not only is Pisco Peruvian, but the tree bark that becomes the quinine in tonic water is also discovered originally in Peru. Wow, that's an interesting fact. It is. I mean, the funny thing is, I didn't see it listed anywhere as saying that this was the... Um, uh, national drink of uh, Peru. No, it's Chile. 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 Yeah, there has to be a there couple. might be straight theft here. Yes. <laughs> Maybe there's some trees going growing across the border. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But, but I, I also want to point out that this drink can be made with sprites, cola, ginger ale. So very true. Well, and those things. The tonic version is going to be Peru in my <laughs> mind. So I thought that was good. It's a good drink overall. Yes. So now we know for sure. You can make a piscola, and you can make a pisco sour.
I mean, add another drink to that list. I think our fans need to know at least one more drink with Pisco so mm-hmm. they can entertain all their friends. Okay. What drink did you select this week? This one's not nearly as steeped in cultural pride or uh, history as yours is. Um, allegedly. Alleged. Okay, as yours allegedly is. I can't find any history about this drink. <laughs> they say it is, but... Um, um, nothing. I don't have any cited sources. Mine comes from a bar out of Los Angeles called 57. Oh, okay. It's, um, and it is called the Spanish Crown. Spanish Crown sounds very colonial. It does sound colonial. This is a kind of a daiquiri-style drink that uh, is nice and light with a mix of pisco, maraschino liquor, and fresh grapefruit. So, in other words, the perfect liquor for, or the perfect cocktail for a day like today. Yeah, it sounds like a great, like, summer sipping, you know, sit on the porch and relax kind of drink. So, um, Asher, do you want to grab our chilled cocktail glasses? I'll read the recipe, and then we'll get started. That sounds good. I will go grab them. Okay, excellent. So what you're going to want to do is combine all of your ingredients and shake with ice and then strain into a chilled coupe or cocktail style glass and then you'll garnish. So the ingredients are as follows. One and a half ounces of pisco, half ounce maraschino liqueur, three quarters ounce fresh grapefruit juice, three quarter ounce fresh egg white, and a half ounce fresh lime juice. So, let's uh, start by throwing some ice in the mixer. Yeah. It's a bit more complicated than the uh, piscola. It is a little more complicated. But probably just as good, or even better. Oh, yeah. All right, so now that we have our ice, let's add in our pisco. Check. Next, we'll do our half-ounce maraschino liqueur. Maraschino liqueur. This is actually pretty interesting. It definitely is. I've not had it before either until today. I snuck a little taste before the episode, and I kind of liked it. Really? It is a cherry liqueur. Huh? It is. But we, Pisco is a star of today's show. That doesn't mean you can't give your thoughts. On a side note, that's really good. The little sip I had. Excellent. It's, wow, okay. I thought so, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Next... We'll do the three-quarter ounce fresh grapefruit juice, followed by our egg white. Asher, do you want to talk about what an egg white does for a shaken drink? Uh, the egg white actually adds uh, the body to the drink. Yeah. You may remember in previous episodes where we made drinks for with egg whites. One is like the Clover Club. The Clover Club. Very good drink. Yeah. That was good. Yes. Pisco Sour also has egg white in it. Mm-hmm. It's what? weird to think about at first, but it works out. It just adds so much body to it, so much texture. It does. And then you get that nice frothy foam on top mm-hmm. when you pour. So, yeah, I think I think the egg white does a lot for the mouthfeel and really doesn't impact flavor at all. So mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty nice. Uh, last but not least, we'll add the lime juice. Okay. A shake or a stir? A shake. All right. After you shake, you'll want to strain into your chilled glasses. 
What are your first impressions? It's very white. It is. It's. It reminds me of like a cocktail they serve in like a, um, a movie that's trying to be all futuristic. Yeah, I can totally see that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now that we have filled the glasses, time to garnish. Time to garnish. And what you're going to want to do for the garnish is a dash of Angostura bitters. Also kind of similar to a Bisco sour. Mm-hmm. And then a grapefruit twist. So you want to twist over your drink so that you get... Uh, the oils, right? The oils from the rind to spread on your drink. I don't know if it really makes that big a difference, but they do it at all the fancy cocktail places. I gotta say, like, I didn't think egg whites would make a difference, but it does. It definitely does. Okay. Well, now that we have our Spanish crowns, mm-hmm. they're lovely looking. Very, yes. Let's give this a whirl. Cheers. Or salute. Salute. It's not as sweet as I expected. I agree. I know we didn't really add any, like, sweet ingredients, but I just expected it to be kind of sweeter from the cherry liqueur. Yeah, even which, the grapefruit juice, I thought like, the sugars would come out more. Which, I've got to be honest, I am getting a fair amount of that liqueur flavor coming through. Mm. There's good grapefruit kind of balanced with the lime in the background. And the Pisco is, is there, but you know, subtle background kind of kind of just acting as the backbone of this drink mm. as opposed to being a, a forefront flavor. I guess overall, I, I'm just unsure about this drink. Yeah. I feel exactly the same way. I don't really know what to make of it. Mm. I, I like it. Like for me, I don't know. I don't know if I would order this at the bar, really. I might revert to the Clasco uh, Pisco Sour. It's just, it's. I feel like something's missing from it. Uh, I can see that. Yeah, just um, uh, it might need it might need a little improvement. Yeah, but it's just um, I had high hopes for this based on the ingredients. So I agree that may have ruined it. But I gotta say, my favorite part is still the egg whites, the frothiness, the body, the texture. Yeah, it definitely adds to the drink's character mm-hmm. and. I don't know. I, I do like it. I'm just going to stand by. I would order it. I just don't know what mood I would be in to mm. think Spanish Crown. That's exactly what I want. You're at a Peruvian place and you're ordering ceviche. And I've already had two Pisco Sours. Yes. And you want to mix it up. Okay, Spanish Crown. <laughs> Hit me, bartender. Then he'll be like, that's too colonial. I'll be like, well, I'm sorry. I didn't invade your country. <laughs> My ancestors are Germanic. <laughs> well, there are Germanic people in South America. That was after World War II. Let's not get into that. <laughs> but I gotta say, overall, it's um, I'm glad we tried out uh, Pisco and our spirit series. I am too. It's an interesting spirit mm-hmm. with a pretty long history. It is, yes. And, uh... and from a part of the world where we don't typically think of spirits. Mm-hmm. So... I'm, I'm excited that we dug into it a little bit deeper. I'm happy with the knowledge that I found. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully you guys learned something too mm-hmm. and uh, are willing to try a couple of these drinks. Yeah, and I'm happy uh, I bought a bottle of Pisco, actually. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. We can, uh, we can use that for 
for many things, I'm yes. sure. And the maraschino liqueur. That's surprisingly good. Yeah, I agree. All our episodes can be found on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. Search for Friday After Cube. Subscribe, share, and rate us highly to keep us making these shows. And I emphasize highly. Five stars, please. <laughs> you should follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Friday After Cube. And like our Facebook page to become a lifetime member of the Cube Corps. Music was played by Vanessa. Our logo was created by Siri. Production equipment was provided by Adam's wife, Danielle. As always, please drink responsibly. Recycle your beverage containers and enjoy your Friday after cube. Salud. Salud. Man, I love egg whites. (laughs) 